Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence. Through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Welcome back to the Larkcast. I'm Tony, and with me is Russ. Hey, Russ. Hey, Tony. How are you, friend? Well, I was yawning like <laughs> bad, like a minute ago. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, why am I yawning? And you're like, bro, lack of oxygen to your brain. You got to just do like seven deep breaths through your nose. Yeah. And I did that, and now I'm like high on oxygen. I'm like very lightheaded. Yeah. So I'm like high on oxygen. I'm ripping a six milligram peppermint zen right now, and I think I'm just ready to roll. I love it, man. Yeah, that whole piece on like the oxygen, the seven breaths, the practice of that, it's in a new missional, missional book that I've got coming out. Something I just wanted to share. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Things you need before you go win people to Jesus. Yep. Take seven deep breaths through your nose, pop a Zen, and drink black coffee. And you'll have all the energy you need for these yeah, conversations. It's called, uh, the name of the book is Seven, seven Breaths to Breakthrough. Seven breakthrough breaths. The first breath <laughs> is coffee breath. You're going to need some gum if you're going to do this. Yes. Yes, you are. Yep. Nothing the worse. Breath is garlic to, breath. Garlic breath lean is the in. next one. You're going to need some gum for that one, too. You're trying to lean in to make some really solid point about Jesus and they're leaning back. <laughs> <laughs> some of you need to not lean in because your breath yeah. stinks so bad. Oh man, this is funny. I love that we can laugh about these things because they're just so true. But it's a very fitting, very fitting conversation to to some of the news, man. Some of the news that I got to drop last week on this podcast. Am I a, am I a bad person if I didn't listen to it? Can you break it you down? Are. Summarize it. You are. Yeah, it's uh. Now I got a chance to just unpack a little bit of some insights from the weekend. Kind of, it's a good reminder, man, of the word lark, like what it means, mm. right? This, this picture of uninhibited freedom. We see it in how Jesus comes about uniting himself to us. And then we see that same freedom in what we've been invited into because, mm. right, as the gospel story goes, the good news is Jesus. He is our union with God. Yep. Yeah. And anyways, got a chance to kind of break down some insights, man, through like all the ahas over the Galatians series so far that we've been in. And then, um, yeah, man, and just sort of starting to, not sort of starting, I guess I'm just going all in on it. All this craziness has been going on in my household with health and 
all those things have been taking shape since December. I'm behind the ball on saying, hey, uh, you know the most effective way to help people live free is conversation with a friend. I know that sounds really simple and ordinary and could even be like, you know, mundane. It's not, you know, there's, it's not real, as you've said before, it's not real like marketable, <laughs> you know, like in a church world that's like begging for hype. But it is what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. And it is what Jesus invited us into is being a friend, man. Being that, being free to be a friend. Yeah. Who can meet people where they are, pass on good news, do it with honesty because they've got nothing to fear, nothing to hide. There's a connection that's found in that. There's an encouragement that's found in that. And it just seems people learn to live free in conversations with the free. Yeah. It's a, uh, sometimes I call it a, call it, I refer to it as like being a scandal monger, you know, which can be a jarring word, but it's a fun word because the good news you're passing on is a scandal by all means. And the person who spreads the scandal <laughs> as Jesus did, you know, just, uh, Sometimes I laugh and just say, uh, yeah, man, just being a scandal monger. But a, a better word would just be uh, being a friend <laughs> who has conversations. Well, monger is such a, I don't know. It's like, a, I think of like a mongoloid, you know? Yeah. It's like gout. It's like when I have to tell people that I got gout, it's like, I mean, I don't have gout right now. But it's just like mm. one of those words. It's just kind of, it's just kind of ugly a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me, um, it makes me question why I'm drawn to it the way that I am. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, for sure, man. Like, yeah. um, man, we, we've said this so many times, you know, you just, yeah. here's a, just a basic breakdown of what is like let's say you're a person that loves jesus because he first loved you like you've interacted with his his grace his life his death his resurrection you've come face to face with your love of control you are at a place in your life where you know all your your towers of righteousness came crumbling down your illusions of control were ripped out from underneath you and mm. you for the first time in a long time needed to look outside of yourself and the life that you thought was perfect and controlled and great and wonderful. You had to look outside of yourself, you know, for not a guide, um, not a guru, not a rabbi, not a mentor, but a savior. Um, and you found that in Jesus and mm. your, your mind was awakened, um, to how wonderful he is. Your heart exploded with gratitude and joy because of his grace and his love. And you found someone that loved you with no strings attached where no performance was required. <laughs> no list keeping no lists at all. And man, you're like, dude, yes, Jesus. And you got plugged into a church, which is great because they're singing songs about this and, you know, we're diving into the scriptures and 
you're coming to realize it more in depth, like, you know, how awesome he is. You're finding a community, a place where you feel like you belong and you're volunteering and you're jumping in and you're creating new friends and your kids got a place and all that stuff. And then you are told, Hey, part of this is passing this on. But -hmm. what they really meant was like, man, just bring them here. Like, you know, we'll do it because surely I think this is great. This Sunday thing. This is awesome. So all my neighbors are going to think this is great too. And what you find is an environment that is like the phrase I want to use is not conducive, but there's probably a more simple way to say it. Like, it's just a weird environment for your friend who you're talking to because they got questions and they don't know any of these songs. They don't know any of this terminology. They don't know any of this language. And then the pastor dude gets up. They don't know who this guy is. And he's prepping in an office for a one-way conversation to have with 300 people or maybe even more. So the chances of that being like super relevant to where a person is, is yeah. pretty slim. Now, God and his goodness has a way to meeting people, right? I've We've heard, you know, some stories mm-hmm. about that. But for most people, that's just not going to be the environment yeah they want you they want a friendship with you they know you they're open to sharing with you and when you realize that that dude i think that for a lot of people i know that's not going to be the thing i just think a shared meal or a moment or a cigar or coffee or And even just sitting in the driveway while our kids play, that's it, man. That's the place. That's the moment, you know, where these things really get unpacked and people start to share and people start to open Mm -hmm. up. And then you realize, holy cow, most people are like, man, I don't really know how to do this. I've never done this. And I don't even really think I'm not that good at it. And so then our inadequacies tend to be very much on display because man, I'm really used to just like going to church and like doing that. But man, I don't, I don't know if I know how to navigate this. I don't really have a lot of, you know, tools and language. And I really don't even know how to, how to be, because I'm just so used to going to these environments with trained professionals who know how to like do this, you know, Jesus stuff. And yeah, most people come to find out like, this is what, you know, is needed. But man, I really struggle here. Yeah. It's good. It's a good way of looking at it, man. I think you captured the story of a lot of people from around the US that have come coming uh to this thing called Lark, you know, this conversation, even beyond, man. I think that even hits the nail on hits the nail on the head. I was talking with somebody recently about it and I thought they, they, they described this, this element really, really, really well. He said, dude, for so long, I used to say that what we were doing in the name of church, like, because God could move and speak in the middle of all this and somebody came and they didn't know anyone, but then they heard this message and it was so relevant. And so, you know, this was the evidence, right? Like that this thing 
that this thing is of the Lord. He said, but then I started really studying the scriptures and seeing this whole other thing in the name of church in the scriptures. And then I had this desire to go step into that simple, ordinary way of friendship, the way you actually see Jesus go about this. And it was in doing so that I realized that what I was a part of before and, and how God moved in it wasn't him saying, yes, this is my model, as much as it was him saying, no, I just love you. And I love them. And I do so even in the midst of your broken model. This is evidence of my love and my leading you beyond this thing, not evidence of this is my thing. You must be a part. Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn, that's a, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what we've been saying and teaching for a long time. But the way you just put that, you know, together, I was like, dang, I never, I don't think I've ever like heard it said that way. Well, and like, I think, um, with good intentions of, of trying to help, um, make this whole friendship and conversation thing in the church world, they call it, you know, evangelism and discipleship. And it is it just reeks of like models and like packaged ways to like, you know, put things and, you know, and all yeah. that. And it comes across like so mechanical, you know, yeah. Um, because I don't really think a lot of church leaders and a lot of pastors, a lot of them don't have friendships either. And they're more teacher types, so they're going to resort to more like formulas and yeah. models, you know? And so, yeah, it's real easy to like put together a model with like three alliterated words and like, you know, here's this package way, you know, to say it. And they think they're doing a good job by checking the box and like helping people or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you actually like get into a conversation and you're like, dude, I'm a weirdo. I'm a freaking weirdo. Yeah, this <laughs> that was... That was my right. story, man. I was in the church world for 10 years and I literally dude, like, I forgot how to just be a normal person, like at mm -hmm. the table, you know, yeah. to just kind of talk about these things, you know, in light of like my own story, everything was like, had this like real elevated language and, you know, all this other stuff I had like in 2016, like I had to like, you know, 14, 15, right around there. I had to like relearn to just be an everyday person. Yeah. Yeah. Relearn like the life of faith when you think about it. It's, uh, it's kind of funny, you know, when you, like the, the thing that was supposed to empower us left us, I don't know, man, just kind of staring off into space like some weirdos in the neighborhood who just didn't know how to be a friend and do like normal things and celebrate normal things and, have normal conversations. I remember like it hitting me as a pastor looking out at the congregation going, man, we're teaching these things left and right. And there's two passages that would not, I just couldn't let go of one. We've been teaching on here recently in the Galatian series We're freedom for freedom. Christ set you free. And I'm looking out at this congregation and going, man, I feel like they know everything in the scriptures, but how to actually live free. This is weird. Something's off. And then number two, Jesus's words in Matthew 28, as you are going, this is something he says to all of us, to all of us, as you are going, disciple others, baptize them and teach them to walk with me. And I'm looking at these people and I'm going, so 
they're not living in freedom and they're not equipped to actually go be friends who help people live free. What's going on here? And I can remember wrestling with that because, you know, you're looking at something that you think is really effective and it's growing and it's got all the nickels and the noses attached to it, you know, for signs of success, but again, not empowered for those simple things. And then I'm building friendships with neighbors because I'm learning to speak a different language and be normal, right? Like you, I started learning that in probably around 2011 and really wrestled with it up through about 2014 until I finally had to resign and just walk away. And uh, I remember wondering like, man, what, what does that look like, man, to just go be with people? What, what does that look like? And at the time I used to just read everything that came out and there was this book love does by Bob Goff. You remember that book? Yeah. You know, and there's like elements in there where I'm like, yeah, I'm not, there's always, know, there's always a book. There's always a leader. Yeah, with always, a book. always a leader with a book. And I didn't jive with a, a lot of things, but this was this dude, right. Who was a lawyer who, you know, was out like in the real world. He wasn't like working for a church and he's passing on some good news. And I can remember that reading that first chapter and going, Holy cow. You know, like there's there's a picture, man, of like what I've been trying to put a finger on. And he just tells a story about like, you know, he was in high school, man. And I, I love the way I love the way he said it. <laughs> Says, I don't know about you, but high school was really tough for me. I wasn't getting girls. I wasn't good at school. I wasn't good at sports. I had this GPA you could count count up on two fingers. And there was a guy that showed up in my high school. His name was Randy, and he had a motorcycle, a beard, and a girlfriend. I can't, I kind of hated him <laughs> because I wanted a motorcycle, a beard, and a girlfriend. And, uh, he says that um, he was with this outfit called Young Life, which is kind of this like ministry that gets people out like in the real world. And this dude used to just come, man, and hang out and just wanted to be my friend, man. And that was kind of weird for me at first, but then I was kind of drawn to him at the same time. And we found a friendship. And he said, man, I finally came to a breaking point in my life. And I just showed up at this dude's house on a Saturday morning. This is all something that, you know, Bob writes about. He says, I show up at his doorstep, man. And I'm like, I'm out, dude. I can't do this anymore. I'm quitting the high school thing. I'm hitting the road. I'm going to Yosemite to climb, to climb rocks. And he said, this dude, Randy, just I looks know they at collected him. rocks. Yeah. It's a Saturday morning. He said, this guy just looks at me and he's like, uh, what? And he kind of, you know, unpacks his story and what he's wrestling with. And he goes, Randy says, all right, man, I'll be right back. He says, he disappears for a few minutes. And he comes walking out and he's got his bag on. And he goes, how are we getting there? And Bob says, I point to my Volkswagen. I go right there, man. I got a ride. And he goes, all right, let's go. And he said, Randy, get in a car with me man and we take off for yosemite and we get a hotel room and uh he doesn't preach at me he's not like drawing up life lessons or anything like that we're just hanging out he says i applied for jobs everywhere he said it came down to i literally applied at, like at a diner to make waffles and they said no <laughs> it's like so every job i tried i struck out and eventually i'm like i give up and so the next day we load up and we go back home and he said, uh, we pull up to his house and his girlfriend's car is in the driveway. And he, uh, Randy invited me to come in for a minute. And so he goes inside, his 
girlfriend's not there, but the car's there and there's boxes everywhere and there's a microwave and a fridge. And he goes, it wasn't Christmas. And I didn't think it was his birthday. And I'm just looking around this house full of boxes and I'm like, dude, what's going on here? He goes, and then it dawned on me. I showed up yesterday, Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. And Randy got married that morning. And on the night that this dude got married, I show up at his door and he grabs a bag and he gets in the car with me and takes off. Dude. He said, for the first time in my life, the word Emmanuel, the word that God used to describe himself, hit me. I'm with you. And he said, and it just played over and over in my head. Because every time I shared what I was dealing with, every time I shared my struggle, every time I went through like why I'm doing this, all Randy said is, I'm with you, dude. I'm with you. That's a good and that one, began man. his journey, man, into the life of faith. And I just remember reading that as a pastor of this successful, growing, multiplying church and going, that... I want, I want to, I want to, I want to be with people. Mm -hmm. That's Jesus. That's the life of faith. That's the journey I've been invited into. That's what he did. And yet I'm running around doing everything, but what he actually did mm -hmm. and invited me into. And that was dude, for me, it was like from that moment on was the planning of the Exodus and going and being a friend like Randy. I'm trying to help people do the same, man. Just being with, with people. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, I remember in an effort to really like make these things go, you know, to really, you know, see people awaken to Emmanuel, the God that is with them whose promises presence irregardless mm -hmm. of their behavior because our brokenness has never been a barrier, you know, to God having no. a relationship um, and interacting with us. He's taken care of all of that in his son. He's reconciled mm -hmm. all things in an effort to really make, you know, this happen. You'd come up with these, you know, formulas and paradigms and, you know, what did we call them earlier? Models. And yep. in your mind, you imagine them just like being, you know, very simple. Like, oh, this will probably just take like one conversation or, oh, this is like, you know, this is pretty simple. Until you realize like, you know, God's never quick about anything. No. Nothing. <laughs> Which is the which is one of the most frustrating things about you know life yeah. with God is he's not quick about anything, and oftentimes like he's very silent. You know, and you know you're just begging. You want this like word about this thing or clarity about this thing or show me or man if you would just just speak to me. You know, and a lot of times he's just quiet and he's slow, and. You know, when I met, um, you know, my friend, my friend, Tim, 
dude, it was like, it was a six year friendship before any kind of like just substantial, you know, conversation or openness even to this conversation came about. And I was mm. like, dang, man, like no one ever, no one ever equipped me. You know, if you want to use that word equip, no one ever put it in my brain that actually just being a friend in this world, you know, might be a six year journey with yep. somebody. Um, but dying to, um, maybe the pursuit of impact, the idol of impact, mm -hmm. the pursuit and the idol of fruit. You know, it's, it's only, it's only being okay with the freedom that we have in Jesus and not having to walk around and like prove, you know, that we're really truly disciples that can let you, I can let you sit in a six year friendship or in a community no. with a business, you know, and a family and just being a neighbor for a long time because I can't make any of my friends or my neighbors be interested in this conversation. I can't, I can't no. do it, but what I can do is stick around long enough, you know, for that moment. And when that moment yep. comes, be a friend yep. and be with them. That's it, man. It's just conversations, friendship. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. The church is who you are right by scripture we've taught on this a lot so if you're new to this conversation you're listening in welcome glad you're here please know that according to the bible the church by definition is a descriptor of who you are in jesus yep. wherever you are it's not something you go to it's who you are and it's it, not a church, church it's not gathered. A service. yeah it's not songs it's and of course, everyone's always like, yeah, but the church gathered. Yeah, yeah, the church gathered. And Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered in a conversation about him, his grace, his love, right? Forgiveness, faith, the, the stuff that the mojo that makes up this, you know what I mean? The meaning of this life and purpose, right? Wherever that conversation is, however messy it is, is the church gathered. That's the beauty of it, right? Bob and Randy in the Volkswagen, driving to Yosemite. That's the church gathered. It's so simple, man. It's so ordinary. It's so beautiful. It's it, it's so life-changing if we just let it be that simple. And I think that's why I've been coming out with like, hey, Lark exists to help you. Like, we're real serious about helping people learn to live free, as we sometimes say, but not much else. Like, we're going to keep doing that. You know, we I believe that people need healing, not a manual. So we're going to keep doing this, but we're also going to help people go be a friend who helps other people live free because we are fully convinced that uh, where it happens best is in friendship. Mm -hmm. And in a day and time, dude, we're like 80% of society is not going to a church gathering of any kind. I don't care how cool you try to make it. They're not coming. Man, all right. Amen to empowering a global movement of friends. <laughs> like, let's do that. Let's be that. Let's uh, let's learn to go be Randy's, man, because there's just so much joy that's really found in this. And you're right. It does take time, and it is messy. 
but it's meaningful and it's life-giving not just for the person that you're investing in but even your own story and yep. as you said earlier so you know so just spot on man um all that other stuff that we've been taught to run around and chase after yeah that's already all done and finished jesus said so literally his words it is finished you're you're free to to go live the life of faith to see what he's doing and join in and trust that despite what you're struggling with, he's present, man, with you and the people that, that you're loving on. And I love that. And there's a fun element to it, man. I saw this meme the other day. It said, everyone needs a friend. They shouldn't be allowed to sit next to it as serious functions. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I found myself going, I need to get Tony to see if he could design us like one of those old school, like marquees, like image. That just says everyone needs a friend. <laughs> they shouldn't be allowed to sit next to it. Serious functions, and then underneath it, Lark exists to help you be that friend. <laughs> like that's what we do, because there's a fun element to this, man. Mm -hmm. Right? Like we've been taught to take ourselves so serious, because we don't take Jesus serious enough. And there's just. There, there, there's just this real, I think there's just this real fun adventure found in being that friend. <laughs> well, and how great is it, you know, like when, you know, someone who, you know, we work with or, you know, know in our communities, or maybe we meet in an online community, you know, like, like my mm -hmm. friend, you know, Jake, you know, who's like plugged in with like a lot of people who, you know, who ride Harleys and, you know, Jake, love that dude. And they're, you know, they're 200 miles away, but they're the, you know, he's the one person that they reach out to when, you know, the shit hits the fan and, you know, Jake's the kind of dude that'll be like, dude, I'll get on my bike. Like today I'll ride down there, you know, and, and chat with you, you know, about this, mm. you know, how great is it? Like when that, that crisis, you know, comes like at that moment that makes you really take a hard look at your life. Um, there's a lot of like fear around that, you know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of misunderstanding about like who God is and, and you're, you're at a place where you just, you're feeling low. Like you just don't, you know, you don't have it. You don't have what it takes. You feel like a failure. Maybe you think yep. like, man, God's abandoned you or he feels distant or he's pissed or you're feeling like a lot of condemnation or whatever. And how great is it to just look someone in the eye and just tell them about what God's really like? Yes. To relieve, yep. to bring relief to their fear, to bring good news to their bad news. Um, you know, to, to bring, um, rest to their restlessness. Um, and to do that in a moment where they're, you know, really, truly, you know, asking, and I hate that this is the case and I have for a while, but, you know, I hate that it's like most often the, the, the circumstances that we, uh, evil is where we meet God and difficulty is where we meet God. You know, it's like yeah. C.S. Lewis said, like suffering, trial, pain, you know, those are God's megaphones in the world to rouse a deaf world. And it's in those moments that we really 
truly start, you know, asking like in our, in our failure, again, like when our control collapses, when our towers of righteousness collapse, like whatever the, whatever the way you are trying to control your life, it could be in a religious way, a moralistic way. It could be a, a rebellious, like I'm just doing life, like how I want to do it. Um, when those things come, come crashing down, it's a real crisis. Yeah. So to bring, to be able to bring relief, to be able to bring good news. I dude, still to this day, I have a lot of things that I enjoy doing, you know, like I love what I do for, you know, a job. I love doing this, you know, podcast. I love being a part of the Lark community still to this day, man. Like the thing that brings me the most joy is to be able to have that conversation. It's the best. It's the freaking best, dude. It is. It's so, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's not just life-giving to the individual, man, that you're talking to. It's it's just so damn joyful <laughs> for yourself <laughs> when you get to, when you get to unpack that, man. And I, uh, I'll, ju I'll just share this. Uh, I, um, I can remember, like, backing up to what I was sharing earlier, like, the whole, like, reading that about randy and going okay there's there's a picture of what that looks like but then i can also remember thinking about okay i'm not in a position where if somebody showed up at my house on the day i got married i could just throw a bag on and hop in a car and jet you know what i'm saying i was gonna i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> randy came on to a best wife <laughs> yeah randy's divorced now but uh <laughs> Bob's going to heaven. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I don't know. But I'm just saying that, you know, people can read that story and it, it's beautiful and it's inspirational and it's true. But I think a lot of us hear it and we're like, man, that sounds awesome, but I can't, I don't, I don't have the, I don't have the, you know, the, the structure in my life to just be able to, you know, pick up and do things like that. And so I can remember wondering, like, well, so what does it look like to be a friend? And I know the passing on of good news and conversations, but what about like the friendship that surrounds that? Because it's hard, man. Like, I can't really juggle and be a part of this church world community click thing over here and then actually have the bandwidth to go about being a friend to all the people in and around me. Like the way we see Jesus going about things, it's it's just impossible, man. Like you have limited margin. And so I started moving toward that. And I remember sharing that story about Bob and Randy with people and them loving that, but like, man, what, what does that look like? And I was at a point in my life where I could, uh, cause you remember being dude, a pastor where you had like certain people that you could listen to, but then you had like this other camp over here that you're not allowed to, you know, listen to. And back in the day, the guy over on the other side of the aisle was a, a sociologist actually he was an ordained minister but he worked as a sociologist and a um, professor was a dude named Tony Campolo. And you know, right. We weren't allowed to like, you know, run in that tribe. Yeah. But I was finally at a point, like you said, dove awards or something. Yes. Yep. <laughs> it was so, it's just so ridiculous when you look back on it, but I was at a point, like you said, man, like crisis in life that opened me up to wanting to hear and to learn and uh, I came across this story, man, that he told about um, traveling to Honolulu to speak, Honolulu, you know, Hawaii to speak, and, you know, the time difference from Philadelphia 
And he's like, man, it's 3 a.m. I'm starving. Everything's closed. So I go down to the front counter at the hotel. Where can I get a bite to eat? And they're like, well, there's this <laughs> shady side street a few blocks up. You'll see diner lit up above, you know, the sign. They're open. So he walks down there and he goes to this diner and he sits down and he said, he, it's a, it's a sticky place, man. And he said about 3 AM, about eight or nine prostitutes come walking in and they all sit down right next to him. Cause all there is, is just one long bar, right. And stools. And he said the one next to him, she says, uh, she's talking to the girl next to her. She says, you know, it's my birthday tomorrow. She goes, what? She goes, it's my birthday tomorrow. I'm going to be 39. So she's like, so what? What do, you, what, do you, what do you want us to do? You want us to like throw you a party or something? She's like, geez, calm down. I'm just, I'm just saying that it's my birthday tomorrow. That's all. Besides, I've, I've never had a birthday party in my life. They talk for a little while and then they, they leave. And Tony says he looks up at the guy at the counter and he goes, they, uh, these ladies, they come in here every night. He goes, yeah. Yeah, every night about the same time. He said, the one next to me. He goes, yeah, that's Agnes. He goes, she said it's, a, it's her birthday tomorrow. He goes, yeah. He goes, what do you think about throwing her a birthday party? That's a swell idea, mister. Hey, June. And he calls his wife out. And he said, this old lady comes out who's the cook in the back. And she comes out with this greasy apron, wipes her hands on it, and then, like, shakes his hand. And he's, like, talking with her and... Tells her his his idea. And she says, you know, mister, she's one of the nice ones around here. People don't know that. But I love your idea. He says, can I decorate the place? She goes, to your heart's content. And then this guy speaks up and he goes, I'll make the cake. And he's like, oh, boy. <laughs> so next day, Tony says he goes down there. He gets there early. sets, you know, he decorates the whole place. And uh, June, the lady there, the diner, she got the word out. And he said about... About 2.30 a.m., he said the place is packed wall-to-wall -wall with prostitutes and just him. And they get this cake set up, and about 3 a.m., Agnes and her crew come walking in, and they all shout, happy birthday. He said, man, her knees like freaking buckled. He said, I've never seen someone more shocked in all my life. Hmm. She couldn't even walk. And they walked her to the counter, and she sat down, and they all sang happy birthday. She blew out the candles. And then the big guy behind the counter handed her a knife. He said, okay, okay, enough of the crying. Let's let's cut this cake. And she couldn't cut it. And she just kind of stood there. And she looks at Tony and she says, can I not cut the cake? And he goes, well, we're all here for your birthday. And she's like, I know. But I'd really love to take this home and show my mom. Mm. He's like, right now? And she's like, yeah, I just live two doors down. I promise I'll be right back. He's like, what? Okay. I mean, it's your cake. So, so she gets up and she takes the cake and she leaves. And he said, it's just like this weird, like awkward silence. And he said, it was in that moment that I chose to pray. <laughs> he said, looking back on it, probably not the best timing. <laughs> he said, but I just invited everybody pray with me. And he just began talking to Jesus about the beauty of Agnes and who she is and just asking God to deliver her of all the harm and the evil that's been done to her and the things that she's even stepped into. And he got his chance to really unpack good news for everybody in that place. 
And he says, amen. And everybody says, amen. And he said, that guy looks at him and he goes, hey, you said you were a sociologist. You're not a sociologist. <laughs> he said, you're a preacher. <laughs> and uh, he says, what kind of church, what kind of church do you preach at? And Tony said, in that moment, he had no plan of sharing this, but it just hit him. And he looked up at the guy and the whole crowd of people staring at him. He said, uh, uh, I'm a member of a church who throws birthday parties at 3 a.m. for prostitutes. Mm -hmm. And he said, that guy looks at him. He goes, no, you ain't. No, you ain't. Because I've joined a church like that. <laughs> and I love this line. He said, uh, he said, I looked at him and I, and I said, uh, and Tony said, wouldn't we all, wouldn't we all mm. dude, I've been doing this for 24 years and I am convinced that, um, the likelihood of you being able to start and sustain a church that does things like that is not going to happen. Mm. But the beautiful invitation of the good news of Jesus is that you are the church. Mm-hmm. And you are free, damn it, to go be a friend like that. Dude. Go be a friend like Randy. Go throw oh, birthday so parties good. prostitutes. Go help your neighbor clean out their gutters. Throw a cookout. I don't care. The, the list is endless. I'm just saying to all of you out there, that's what we're doing. That's what we're empowering. And if you want to be that friend, reach out to us larksite.com click on it become a friend schedule a call whatever you want but uh i don't want to wait around you know to get some organization aligned to that when we're already free to just go be those friends yeah man if there was ever a birthday song that i wish i was there for <laughs> yes it would have been that one it's the best, man. Like I said, I read the, the, the Randy story and I'm like, I love it, but it's not practical for every, all of us. But then I hear a story like that and I'm like, that dude just literally heard something and just went down to the dollar store and came back the next day. With some decorations. I love it. And some good news. It's that damn simple, man. Let's let it be that. So reach out to us, folks. We're here. We'd love to help you be those friends. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.